Welcome everybody to Learn with All. Today we're joined with Claire Lung, who is joining us today to be part of the Millennial Monday series, which aims to help millennials with everyday life and just kind of navigate the turbulent times that we seem to all be uh, living in right now. She is here to share experiences navigating her career as a senior manager at Big Four, a technical consultant on supply chain transformation, and even, uh, I'm told, uh, how to learn, like meta-learning strategies, which I'm a big fan of, learning with LOL, as everyone can guess. So, Claire, welcome to the show. And thank you, LOL, for having me. Yes. So, first big question I have for you, and for everyone probably listening as well who isn't familiar with these things, what does a senior manager do? Like, what does, like, a day like, look like for you? Yeah. Oh, thanks for uh, asking that question. I think that's quite interesting. So um, just give a little bit more background before I even dive into the senior manager. So I've been actually recently being promoted from a manager to a senior manager. So the way that they evaluate how do I promote someone to be a senior manager, because every year you would have hundreds of people trying to compete and then get to promote it to the senior manager. So the qualification, the first most important one is that are you already behave or like managing like a senior manager? So what does it mean, right? So that means that you are not only just leading a team that it, it, it can be a small size team, it, like one to like 10 or 20 people. So one is that you are leading a team. Second one is you are not only just leading this team to do, do, deliver what you are supposed to do, what you're supposed to deliver to the customer. And you are looking at a little bit more bigger pictures. So meaning that you're not just I'm just giving an example from my background, right? So I am in the uh, supply chain um, within the SAP department within uh, my firm. So now the even within the supply chain, you have different li little modules. So such as the order to cash, meaning that how do I sell and then get to the um, get to the uh, creating a bill customer building and then you show it out to the customer. And then besides the order to cash, you have warehouse management, you have transportation management. So all of those modules will have different team managing them. So normally that's a manager's job. So what does senior manager do? Senior manager is not only just looking at how do I sell something and bring something out of my inventory and get get myself paid. Also, how do I transport certain things to my customer? How do I like overseeing um, this warehouse? How do I oversee my inventory? How do I pick the goods and move it out? At any point in this conversation, if you find value in it, please subscribe. It is hugely beneficial and it tells Google and everyone out there that this is content worth watching. Thank you for everyone thus far who has commented, liked, subscribed, and told their friends. So I would say like senior manager is someone who will be able to see a little bit more end-to-end -end solutions. That's one. And secondly, is like you are more um, kind of like just looking at the issues from the bigger pictures, not only just looking at the um, like everyday transactions anymore, but it's more of the bring yourself to a little bit higher level to kind of like doing that kind of like solution design. Um, at least that's from my uh, my end. Now I will say. There are different expectations uh, on top of the delivery for the senior manager, such as can you build up the strong relationship with the client? That's one. And secondly, is can you actually provide a long, long-term strategy growth? Provide some kind of like a, I'll say we keep saying the value added um, suggestions, advices. That's just really like from your day-to-day -day work. You look at something that's um, someplace that's lacking, and you can pro provide certain like suggestions that help your client to grow the business, or either either grow the business or tackle their issues so that's something that senior manager would do do you do you also handle uh, international mm -hmm. supply chain or is it purely domestic in terms of how okay. you, your scope of your work 
Yeah. So I would say the short answer is yes, we do deal with import and export. Um, however, I want to like call out the differences. My especially within my area of work, we're not just doing the supply chain. Um, I'll say supply chain strategy advisory. We are implementing a software, uh, which is an enterprise resource planning software called SAP, and that is a software that mimic the daily operation and also the supply chain um, management works. So within the software, we do the import and export management. And again, go back to my background, which is more of the order to cash or AKA um, sales and distribution. So import and export is quite important for us because whenever that we are managing, helping customer to manage in the sale, um, especially when they're trying to sell something from one country A to country B, they will have to manage in the custom, they have to manage in the performance invoice. And on top of that, they have to considering, okay, maybe I have my company entity from comp uh, country A, and I'm selling this. Do I have to like directly sell it to my customer or do I sell it to my entity within the country B and then transfer that material to the customer? So all those daily transactions or actual like operation steps needs to reflect in the SAP. So that is that part of the work that I'm dealing with. So yes, indeed, that we, we, we help with the uh, import and export uh, with different modules and with different um, kind of like uh, tailor configurations to fulfill customer's requirement. Is there like an ideal uh -huh. customer that you really get the most enjoyment out of solving those type, like the problem sets that you're going to have to deal with a certain customer, that type of thing? Is there like an yeah. ideal customer size, et cetera, that you really like? Oh, ideal like customer size. Okay. So I think like also, so I'll, I'll answer from like two perspectives. One is like more from the culture wise or maybe like ge mm -hmm. geographic wise. Uh, I'll say the most fun and enjoyable and friendly customer that I deal with are actually from um, Louisiana. So like we did mm -hmm. a lot of project uh, within the refinery work. Um, so I traveled to uh, Louisiana a lot and we go to this little city called Chamet, which is like, I think it's like a 20 minutes away from the uh, New Orleans. So all the clients are like super fun and they're uh, kind of just like treating you as almost like a friend they, uh, on their life. Because sometimes you will think that, okay, you bring the consultant in. Sometimes it's not always kind of like sunshine rainbow that those consultants come in. What are they doing? Do they really know what they're doing? Why are we paying them this much money for? Why are we not paying our own people? And are they coming in to steal our job? So all those thoughts. But uh, uh, while I deal with like uh, people from West Coast, East Coast and all over all across the Americas. Um, I think like, yeah, I really enjoy with dealing with um, people or my clients from the uh, uh, Louisiana. So Southern, hospital, hus Southern hospitality is really no joke, right? So it's like super fun to deal with, uh, very easy to talk to and uh, very easy to uh, kind of like just understand what the requirement is and helping them in a very cooperative way. Um, so that's one perspective. Now, second perspective is what is a fun problem to solve, right? Like what is the challenging things to keep the work, um, to keep the work more like interesting and challenging. Uh, I want to say that the most interesting and fun part of dealing with different customer is that when they, again, they don't treat you as uh, like a, more like a consultant, but they kind of like want to listen to you. what do you have to offer? Because I think that's like more of like establish the, uh, the, the trust though. So I understand that whenever like company hiring the consultant, first thing is that do you actually know what you're talking about? So that's one. And secondly, is that, okay, so like now I tell you what I, now I tell you what I want. Do you actually understand what I need? So I think once you actually establish that you are here to not just come in and just show them what to do, like I know the best, but more of like coming in and just say, hey, like I will listen to you first because 
one of the uh, another key problem is that consultants sometimes talk too much, right? Like we talk mm -hmm. too much and we tell them what to do, and then sometimes it may not necessarily tackle customers' um, problem. So I think like one is that we go in and then shows the interest of the the problem and can just listen to actually listen to their pain points, and then based on our experience, based on our background, and kind uh, of provide them solutions, suggestions that does not require too much complicated knowledge or kind of like documentation to understand those solutions. So that's when like when you achieve this balance, you build up this trust, then clients that trust you, then you kind of like build up this like relationship. So I think that's when you actually go into this like a, uh, I want to say like maybe like a honeymoon period when customer truly trusts you, they want to hear what you say. And you also kind of like understand their point points and you kind of like just making yourself part of the company, not just treating yourself as a consultant. So I think that's when the uh, um, the real balance coming in, you really enjoy the, the work. Yeah. Sounds like the key thing is you do a lot of listening in yes. a world where a lot of people do talking. That's, that's a big takeaway so that they can kind of let it out. If they are feeling a negative way about your presence, they'll like, maybe they'll say it but then like two minutes later they'll start talking about the problems then two late minutes later then mm -hmm. you have a better sense of things and so it sounds like that might that that's a key element to let people know like hey i'm a person who's here to help versus here to just tell you what to do yeah, yeah. it's really interesting yeah exactly it's just never never be too arrogant that's one and secondly is that truly just really listen to them um yeah i've seen like some some of the issues just from the past years of the experiences that uh, um sometimes you may think you understand the questions and sometimes because we work in so many industries we think we have all the experiences that we have maybe i work in a i'm just giving an example maybe i have working the uh, agriculture company before and the client does ask okay what do you have uh what is the experience that you work for the other company tell me what did you do and then yeah like, that's when we will we'll talk and client will like kind of try to try to listen but it's it's again it's a balance you cannot just keep telling client well like the company a that i work for did this why don't you guys just do that you have to like kind of like just kind of like get in and tailor the problem and say hey maybe we can just take away some of the lesson learned from the company A, but not like complete copycat of whatever the company A did, because some of the solution is just not apply uh, applicable for the uh, different client. Mm -hmm. Is it so? It sounds like you're at the point where you have uh, essentially, you know, not mastery, but like because uh, like mastery is always an elusive thing. You're always going to keep working and being, you know, mm -hmm. improve your ability to listen, improve your ability to execute. Um, but it seems like you're at the point where like you're very proficient and good at executing when it comes to on on this aspect. How long did it take you? you know, day to day, um, uh, trying trial and fair, uh, trial and error, uh, to get to the point where you could be this proficient. Like, cause mm -hmm. I think a lot of times people millennials, otherwise they see someone who's good at what you're doing, just anything, you know, good at anything. They think, Oh, they just, they, they hatch from the egg <laughs> that way. You know, yeah. uh, there's like an ugly duckling phase of everything. So I'm just kind of curious how long was the ugly duckling phase before you turn into like a swan who can, this is a really weird metaphor, but like, uh, just uh -huh. someone who can, like, yeah. uh, execute on these <laughs> Yeah, I'll say well, we're still on the way to become a swan. I'll say that. But yeah, uh, um, yeah I'll, I'll say it, it, it does take a while. And I appreciate the question, in fact, because um, so I'm originally from China. So language is actually the uh, first barrier. I would say that when I first got to the U.S., the first challenge is that, well, how do I study and how do I talk to people if I'm not even that good at speaking English? So it does take a while for me to get kind of like, okay, I can fit into the uh, the culture, truly understand, and I can ha hold a conversation with people normally. So it, it, it took me for a while. So like, it, you know, at least like a year or two to just really get into this like English, uh, English language uh, environment. That's one. Um, and then once I start getting into the, uh, the kind of like a corporate world after I graduated from the college, got into the corporate uh, culture. So I, it still did 
take me some time to just try to understand that what am I doing here, right? So it's like you graduate from school now, you don't have a you don't have any like kind of like a true assignment, you don't have paper dues every day. So now what, right? And can just like sit down and thinking that well, do I just sit in the company and doing exactly one thing for just rest of my life? Um, so that is where I really kind of just start thinking that I want to learn. Um, I guess like that's one of the the the, the key. Pivot point is that I still want to learn, and I still want to um, kind of experience different things, not just doing like one thing for the rest of my life. So I think that's where I picked、uh, the consulting career. It's really suited for me, for my personality, and for my kind of motivation to just keep learning.、Um, so once I get into the consulting company,、um, again, like it's I'm very lucky to be able to work with a group of very smart individuals. I kind of just like. Keep learning, right? Just you observe what's to, what's going going well with them, and maybe what's like not going well with the meetings and、uh, all those deliverables. Just kind of like keep learning. So I would say that after I got into the consulting company, and I still worked for working, learning, and、uh, sometimes even learning about how to deal with different people from different consulting companies. Because sometimes you may. Client may not just hire one consulting company; they may hire a couple of them. So you have to learn how to deal with client. You learn how to deal with your boss, your own manager, and then you deal with、uh, different consultants.、Um, so after all this like up and downs, I would say like, and then that's another like two years to go, and then finally I just realized, okay, so there are certain ways that I like to work. One is to truly understand the company whenever I get into the project.、Um, not only I'm just trying to understand, okay, what are we doing to implement the、uh, the IT? It's an IT project. Not only I'm just trying to understand the how to implement this IT project. I truly try to understand that how does this client work? How do they make money? What is their、uh, strategy? What is their、uh, market strategy? What is their long-term mission? What is their value? And exactly how they run the business. So all of this information really helped me when I have the conversation with client. So I'm not just coming in as an IT person. I'm coming in as almost like a、uh, truly like a I'll say like a supply chain transformation team, and that's what we're trying to strive to, right? So I'm just not just here to implement the software for you. I'm here to help you to use the software to efficiently to improve your、um, your day-to-day work. So、uh, I'll say it, it did take a while. I'll, I'll say for four to five years, if we really want to put a number on it. Yeah.、Mm-hmm. It sounds. It sounds like the the hardest part of the journey you were you went on was the move from China to America.、Mm-hmm. But it also sounds like that was probably the thing that's given you the skills that when you look around you, you have that other people probably don't have because you you went from like you know the big language barrier, learning that like if you can make that transition, I imagine you know figuring out a company, listening intently to the people around you comes much more naturally. As as like as a direct comparison to the people around you who maybe didn't have that experience and probably are less skilled at it because you just had to go through that crucible and be forged by it so much. Yeah, yeah,、uh, I think that it, it, it might be one of the point for sure. So、mm-hmm. um, again, because I really have to listen to you, I have to like listen to you like tentatively to understand what you're trying to say and digest, and then.、Um, Kind of like come up with my、uh, kind of like a, the, the response and solutions. So yeah, I'll say it does play a role. Yeah. And then、uh, I think something that's really interesting to me is as people learn more, I think sometimes people wonder like, what does someone who's good at something and someone who's new at it see? Like, what do they、mm-hmm. both see when they both look at the same problem? And usually, the person who's new looks at, tries taking in everything. They don't know what to focus on, what not to focus on,、mm-hmm. what to ignore, what you know, what to not ignore, etc. And the person who knows more usually is like, I know to focus over here because you know that's you know P and L balance sheet or whatever, or like some elements、mm-hmm. to start you know built cobbling together the framework to like push forward. And so. It, using、um, I don't know if there's an example that you could share or whatever you but what do you go in looking for 
to to do that? What do you look for and not look at so uh with your knowledge base that someone coming in new would just, you know, be like a bombarded with like all the data coming in and, and miss? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, especially I think for the people and even just I'm thinking about like when I first joined the company and kind of just like, oh my gosh, like things are happening like all over the place and I have to like solve like today's ticket, I have to solve today's defects and how do I start and also like how when a client asks me some questions, how do I answer without making myself looking like a fool, right? So um, I think first one is that I want to say like there's no shortcut to everybody, like especially within the IT world and in, within the consulting world. If you want to be a solid consultant, there's no shortcut other than really build up the knowledge foundation. And that's something that I've been telling my, uh, um, so we call it new staff and uh, consultees, uh, if you will. So I've, that's that's my advice to them. Like just don't think of, of taking a shortcut. I mean, I know that there's ChatGPT out there, but that when you actually talking to your client face to face, you cannot just take out your phone and start like chat GPT, right? You cannot come up with answer. So again, build up your strong foundation of knowledge. So once you have that kind of like a formula, you have the knowledge base in your head, when a customer asks you some questions, you can immediately kind of spot out like, okay, what are they really asking? They may asking you, just 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 quick example, um, just thinking that maybe they say, hey, like what if like, how do I return how do i return certain things before i issue invoice to my client right so like uh kind of just do that right and you have to like rethink like what what are they really trying to ask they're trying to ask that how do i reverse logistic this thing and but also i don't want to like show the uh uh kind of like showing the uh, uh debit and credit on my invoice account so if i don't understand the sap if i don't understand the business at all i, I might just come up with something, I, I, I don't know, just come up with something. Okay, maybe like this issue, you can just solve it by maybe just like, you know, return it and kind of like manually correct those items and whatnot. But if you truly understand the business meaning, purpose behind it, you truly understand what system can do. The advice would be that, okay, so the account posting, the happening within the system and the output of the invoice are two different things. You can still show certain things. You can still like show, hey, like maybe I did the posting, I did the corrections on my accounting, but the form that you print out and that you give it to the customer is completely different thing. Customer will never actually see your company's own account posting. All they get is a piece of paper. On the piece of paper, you can just show whatever value, like net due with a customer without showing all this like negative numbers. So again, it takes time for you to understand that, okay, what is the business purpose? What can system do to be able to come up with a solution? And it does take time to learn, to read, and to go just go through all these meetings and to listen to all these recordings uh, of the uh, the training videos. Um, but I think that, that, that it does help. Are there words, phrases, or maybe it's just a feeling you have when you mm -hmm. know you're at the point where you're understanding their problem? Is it like a that's right, or do they any do they give you how do you know when you've met that threshold of understanding them? Um, you mean like how I'm just trying to understand this. Like, do you mean like okay, at one one point that you understand that oh hey, like I understand that what you're asking for, or yeah, yeah. There's a book called Never Split the Difference, and in it, I think mm -hmm. it's Chris Voss. He says that you know when the person understands you when they say that's right versus you're right because you're right. They're just kind of getting trying to get you to shut up or like move okay. on with the conversation, but uh -huh. that's right is them saying, oh, wow, that that's true. I'm not going to uh -huh. internalize that. So like, I always uh -huh. wonder, when you're looking to ask and understand, how do you know when you've dug deep enough so you can start making the correct uh, response? And like, and that 
in that example, it's wait until you hear it. That's right. When you when you when you understand it, you can say it's because uh, mm-hmm. of this. You're trying to do this, right? And they mm-hmm. say, yeah, that's right. That's what I'm trying to do. Like that's a, a key indicator. But I'm just kind of curious. Have you found anything else that lets you know um, that you've reached that threshold of understanding? Mm-hmm. Um, I would say like. The, the, the point, uh, I would say the obvious sign is that when I start talking about the solutions, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? They all become quiet, right? So w- first thing is that they become quiet and then someone will say, oh yeah, we didn't think of this. So yeah, and then that's actually a great feeling of like, hey, like I'm helping you. That's why you're hiring me for, to look at the things that you may not only thinking of or looking at different angle. Because when you're dealing with certain things too long, I mean, everybody do, right? Like when you deal with certain things too long, you get used to it. You get used to thinking of, things or look at certain things at the same angle for a while. And someone may come in and talking about different angle that you're never thinking of. And mm-hmm. first thing you would think is that, oh, let me think about this, digest this. And they become quiet. And then someone will say, yeah, we can, we can do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good idea. So uh, again, and I, I've been actually experiencing this quite a lot recently. So I think that's a great feeling for me too. Um, feels like great achievement to helping people to like solve the problem, like looking at the angle that they never thought of. Mm-hmm. But, and then for the, business understanding skills is to what extent is it you know um i mean it's not like like is it like excel spreadsheets um Mm -hmm. analytics like what is that if you were to like cobble together the foundation level knowledge people would have to be effective in the role that you have Mm -hmm. um are what are some of like the the knowledge domains that you think would be really useful Mm -hmm. um yeah yeah, for sure. So um, I'll say like, so my own background, um, I was major in management information system. So I mm-hmm. was able to kind of like pick up the marketing, like one, marketing 101 and accounting, uh, managerial accounting and uh, financial accounting one and two, economics and all those things. And in addition to that, um, of course, supply chain, all of those um, foundational um, business knowledge. So I did learn about those. And then I learned about the uh, kind of like uh, programming and all this coding. So it's kind of combination of tech and business for this major. Um, so in addition to that, I will say, even if it's just someone hey, who just graduated from like computer science and they want to learn about the business whenever they got into the consulting company, uh, I'll say like one is that definitely read up the a lot of materials. So it's not that um, sometimes customer will provide you some of the documentation. I'll definitely read up on that. And Google is your best friend, right? So just Google about those those information. Now, even in addition in addition to that, because I am very uh, I was like a vi- visual learner. So not only I'm just like reading the, the words. Sometimes it just become words. Like it's just too long. So what I would do is that draw the flow on my own, right? So okay, you're telling me this is the way that you are buying the raw materials, this is how you produce them, and this is how you sell them as your final goods, I'm going to draw the flow out of it. And which is, this, this happened a lot for the, uh, as a consultant, you have to know how to draw the flow. So you draw the flow and look at the exact business steps kind of like happening in front of you. So that would really help to like, kind of like uh, deepen the, the impression and help you to understand the business. What do you do to make sure that, um, maybe ChatGPT, maybe it's other things that you've been experimenting with, but how do you make sure that the ideas sync and are maintained so that they can execute on them well. Because theoretically, you could have the, the perfect idea, right? But if they don't fall through on it, they could be like, oh, that's a terrible idea, you know, and it's your fault. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you didn't even do your work, do the work, right. you know? So like, how do you, how do you keep people, how do you keep that main, a momentum going so that things mm-hmm. can be achieved? Yeah. Um, so I'll say like, uh, so, so two things, right? So one is that how do we 
make sure that uh, whatever we talked is aligned and also being followed through. And second is how do we leverage the AI? So for the first question, um, that's also something that I keep telling like my fellow team members uh, or no matter like if they're new or they're kind of experienced, I would say like just always, always remember putting things in the words, right? So like if you have this meeting, just even just like write like a three, four sentence of the uh, the meeting minutes. Like if you're like just that, you just that short of time, write like three, four sentence. But like what I would, look, would like to do is to make sure that all the details, all the decisions that's been made has been documented in the meeting minutes. If there's action items, I will call the action out and also call the action owner out in the meeting minutes mm-hmm. and share with everybody who joined the meeting. So that maybe after two, three months, like someone come back and say, hey, has this been done? We can go back to the meeting minutes and check who was the action owner and what was the action. So, but normally it, it doesn't go to like two, two, three months. That's just exaggeration. So definitely meeting minutes helps us a lot. Uh, putting things into the words helps to kind of like keep the audit trail. Um, now, as far as the AI goes, I think it's like a very, um, also it's a, it's a hot topic and it's like a, sometimes can get a little bit more uh, sensitive, I would say, because when we're dealing, especially as a consulting com- company, when you're dealing with hundreds of clients, you also want to make sure that you're not kind of like just expose the information that you're not s- supposed to expose to the uh, different AI or on the cloud and all of those things. So I thought it's interesting because our firm is actually invested a lot of money. So now they have their own version of ChatGPT, but it's mm-hmm. our firm's own ChatGPT. Chat so the way that the risk they do is because they want to make sure you use our own firm's ChatGPT, so you don't use the um, this like a open um, open AI ChatGPT just in case anything that's being leaked. Um, so that's one. So we are supposed to just use our own uh, version of AI. And uh, secondly, is that um, I didn't run into the issue with okay. So we're just you know in the meeting tracking the flows. Um, it's definitely easier to type the words than just drawing out the flow. And then I end up with like tracking like 25 steps or 20 or 100 steps, let's say. And I was like, well, I really just don't want to like just put up all this like flow chart like into each of the swim lane. It takes such a long time. So I also did find out like there is a thing called chart GPT. Mm-hmm. So it's a, a chart mm-hmm. AI that's kind of like building upon the uh, chat GPT. And you can just literally just enter in the words like, hey, one, two, three, four, and they will convert the uh, the the frame for you. So I think it's great for like maybe like a prototype or maybe just for like initial opportunities. And you can just show, hey, here is like some of the chart that we can do. Um, but yeah, like I I would agree that um, uh, as far as the workflow goes, uh, as far as the some of the minor like I don't know, like office work and all this like manual work goes, I think it yeah, does help a lot. Then uh, for the the role itself for this type of work, are there mm-hmm. types of people that thrive in it particularly? Is there mm-hmm. like Someone listening, you say, "Hey, if you're if you're like this, if you if this if hey, if anything that you've said so far sounds Mm -hmm. exciting, like that's kind of a good indicator." But is there like who would be the ideal person to do this type of work in your mind as Mm -hmm. a senior manager? If you were doing hiring, like who would you be looking for to get Mm -hmm. into this? Because I think half the battle for people is like just finding a role that they would love. Mm -hmm. And so if like if they already like the interest is sparked, and then now all they have to do is just hear whatever you're going to say, just this answer. Yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Um, so also like even within the consulting firm. So normally you hear like, oh, like your end goal is become a partner. And what does it, what does it mean when you get to the partner, right? So it's like, if you think of the, being a partner, you have to be able to sell, you have to be able to build up the relationship and keep growing the firm and bring more jobs for the uh, uh, 
uh, other people, right? So um, is that something that you really want to do? So I think like you, if you just think of all the glorious uh, names and maybe money and all, all, all of those things that come um, to the uh, the partner title. So if that's something that re you're really looking forward, I would say, yeah. And then uh, and then if you think about like, what does partner do, right? You do sell, um, you do a lot of, uh, I, was, I would say like, it's just kind of like a branding. You go to the market every day. Um, so people that I think that would be really great uh, at doing those, like even just like being like an ordinary consultant, would be someone who, again, understand the business. That's one. Secondly, is that you don't necessarily have to be a extrovert, I want to say, like, it's like there's a also kind of misunderstanding, like all the consultants talk a lot. They're always just like extroverts. Uh, it's not important quite in, necessary to be like a super like extroverts but being a type a definitely helps you are very, very like go-getter you're always like very proactive that that helps but as far as personality goes um as long as you are very friendly i'll say that i think that's the number one point right you need to be friendly you need to be able to like uh work with all type of people well so that does not mean that you have to be an extrovert you can be an introvert that but you can still like work with different people as long as you can uh, build up this relationship with them um and then lastly i would say it's someone who's very uh i'll say like go oriented uh you kind of like just already set your eyes on the end goal you know that hey being a partner is, or being a senior manager is my career goal. I want to be there. Uh, I think you would definitely enjoy it um, because I just see that we do have some staffs coming in, right? I, I, like they just graduated from college. Um, the reason that they want to join consulting is because they want to travel. And guess what? COVID happened. So everybody get locked down. So you don't get to travel. Then what, right? So that's, I'll say it is a nice reason to have to join a consulting industry when you are young, when you want to explore, and maybe you don't know what you wanted yet. Uh, but after a while, I just feel like travel should not be your only reason. You should also see that, okay, do I work well with different people? And am I okay with continually learning? Even after, I would say like not even just 35, I'm just, I want to say like after 40, after 50, when I become a partner, I'm still learning all these new things consistently. Am I okay with it? So if the answer is yes, then yeah, I think then that this career path is definitely suited for you. Mm -hmm. And if you have most of those things, I was just thinking like, what's an everyday person that I've run mm -hmm. into recently that would be like, like a really weird, but somehow fit this? Is there was a, there's like a lady at my local coffee shop that is like the perfect person who will listen to what the person's looking for. And mm -hmm. I think they, I think she just like naturally upsells them to something else. And then she's like, you know, it gets like uh. a bonus or whatever for it. But that's, that person sounds like they're good with working with different people. They look, they're good at listening and sure it's coffee or whatever, but that's a transfer transferable skill. So if you mm -hmm. are someone who, uh, like if you're in a, like a service worker job and you're like, Hey, is there an experiment you can do to see if this is something for you? And you can translate this to your role if you're not in a service worker job, but try to like, try to listen to someone you're working with. And um, you know, even like someone sitting across you, like trying mm -hmm. trying to like sell them on a movie idea that you want them to check out or something. Like, yeah, you can you can test that skill if you uh, if that's something that you don't don't have. So anything that we're talking about today, there's probably some small version that you can test out in yourself to see if that's something that not only if you enjoy, but if you have like some aptitude in it. Uh, and at the same time, see, I think sometimes people hear what you know something that you like all the things that you just said and think. Well, I, 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 I'm in a service worker. I'm this. So like how that mm -hmm. translate over here, but really like your, 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 your statement of like listening to people and being like a self-taught learner. Like if you look at most applicate, like job postings, that's, those are two probably the biggest things that are universal across industries. Like people look for those things, like in the sense of like, 
like if you know how to learn over here and you're self-taught and you want to keep going you probably can translate that into what you're talking about mm -hmm. today and so i just want i put that out there because i read the study that i think it's like if a, a guy will apply for something if it's if they uh meet half the requirements a woman will apply for something if they have two-thirds of the requirements so at uh reduce the requirements and see what you can actually do uh using what we just learned about today uh, which is like my little uh you know ad addition to what you said yeah no i i like it actually so we are kind of like if you think of the consultant it does kind of like kind of kind of like similar to the service industry all we do is making the client happy right customer happy so yeah for sure that's a obviously that's a transformative uh that's some skills that you can translate in between yeah mm -hmm. and then so in when you're around a bunch of type a personalities i'm imagining this environment where i don't know if you've ever been to a toastmasters but there's i went to a toastmasters once and it was like a competition to see who could talk the loudest because everyone's <laughs> like i'm the leader no i'm the leader no i'm the leader and it's like okay guys like uh -huh. chill out there's there's like eight different types of leaders like you don't no one like the leader's not just the person in the front like saying where to go there's like the leaders mm -hmm. of support who like help make check in with the team there's, there's so many different types but so um how much is managing the other type a personalities a part of it i guess like office politics may be a, a synonym for what mm -hmm. i'm asking but like how much is that a part of be successful in your role or the types of roles that you've uh, I've done to date. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I will say like, not only just like dealing with like maybe colleagues, a lot of type A person consultants, mm -hmm. um, also even within the customer, you will always have like certain leaders or certain like uh, uh, regional managers who's like kind of like type A person. So we have to like kind of navigate through it. Um, so one way I learned, especially during the meeting where everybody want to jump in and, um, you know, sometimes when you talk and trying to like just express your views and people will just cut you off. But sometimes it's, again, it's no bad intentions, but they're just really trying to like get their opinion across. Um, so I actually had to learn this, um, uh, not like recently, but like learn this after a few years of in the uh, uh, working, I would say like working full time, which is that can just calmly tell them that can let me finish my words first. So initially, uh, if you especially are new and you're just joining and you feel like you're agreeing, you're trying to say something and people just kind of like not almost like not like disrespectful, kind of like disregard you. They jump in and they start talking. You're just like, OK, what do I do now? Right. Like, do I just let them talk? Maybe. Um, yeah. Especially when you're new, you kind of just let, let it happen. But then after a while, you kind of just confident that, hey, like what I said, what I propose will definitely add value for this meeting. And I. I deserve this time, right? Like this time and space to like kind of express what I have to say. So I was just say like, put the foot down, right? And say, hey, doesn't matter if it's colleague or your client, just say, hey, please let me finish my words yet. Uh, let me finish my words first and then you can express whatever you want to say, right? Um, and I found that um, initially I was, the reason I've been scared is because, okay, will, will they feel like offended? But no, it's it's not going to happen. They, and they also realize it's a very professional environment. They realize that uh, they do need to let you talk, uh, they, they mm -hmm. need to like uh, let you express what you have to say. Um, so I said, put a foot, uh, foot down and then make sure that uh, they, they hear you. Uh, that's one. And secondly is that I realize sometimes being a little bit silent or being a little bit quiet actually helps. So, for example, if I just trying to say something and someone cut you off, Sometimes I just, you just don't even say anything. You just kind of just being quiet, especially also just work again, different, different scale, different tactics that work out in different environment. This would especially work out well if you're in a in-person meeting and with someone trying to like cut you off and you, 
Okay, so you just step back and just like being being quiet, right? Because and everybody else will notice this, right? Like, it's, okay, so the flow has been cut off. Maybe we'll let Claire finish what she have to say first, and then you know, and then passing on. So again, I'm still keep learning. Um, the trying to like see like what is the most graceful way to like working with the uh, more of like a little bit more, um, I'll say proactive or, or a little bit more ag aggressive type of type of personalities. Mm -hmm. It's still learning experience. Uh, but the best way is. You know, just kind of like stand your ground and also just kind of like let it play it out. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely like the stand your ground mentality because mm -hmm. the I think that's it's people sometimes are very anti confrontational. So the idea like, mm -hmm. hey, I'm saying, can I finish my thing? Even mm -hmm. though someone technically is riding over you and causing the confrontation, people sometimes feel like, oh, I'm causing the confrontation by standing up for yourself. No, you're like stopping the confrontation to some extent. In, in my mind, like that's like when I've talked to people, it's like, think of it this way like the person just trying to drive over you, they're doing the thing. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. by saying, hey, can I finish? It's just saying, like, hey, don't run me over. You know, yeah. so like, I think that maybe like it, that's like a key thing that I think is sometimes hard for people just to, it feels confrontational, but t technically the person running you over is being confrontational. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you have to like just learn to like say it, right? Like sometimes it's just like, whoa, like sometimes it's just like in your back of your mind, you hope like everyone's like, you know, being super like a, a uh, I was a cordial and everybody's like being super professional and they will let you speak. But in, in real world, like, they, they have some opinion they have to say it like immediately so you have to kind of just like kind of like tell them hey like hey let me finish first yeah mm -hmm. yeah and i bet at the same time the they respect you more for it too because you're yeah. saying like i'm gonna be heard here and they're like oh yeah okay and then they're paying attention even closely to what you're saying and then you're gonna say something smart and they're like oh we're gonna listen to claire more often like she, yeah. she has all these good <laughs> ideas yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah uh, a tactic that i've used in the past when if i'm in a room with a bunch of type A's and they're like talking mm -hmm. over each other is uh, I I pick the two most vo vo uh, loudest ones mm -hmm. and who are usually the sparkiest for to things and I wait for one to talk over the other one and then I say hey uh, I can't hear Claire uh, John can mm -hmm. you give her a minute and then like so you appreciate me like like kind of like bopping John mm -hmm. and then uh, John's like oh wow okay and then you'll be like, oh, Lil, you were trying to say something a second ago, and you'll, you'll bring it back to me, and then I get yeah. to say what I want. But uh, so that it's like a twofer. Not only do I speak up, uh, uh, keep like the community uh, just trying to listen or whatever, uh, but I've kind of like uh, done like a nice thing in your direction and it's to come my way. But if John doesn't like what I did, They'll, they'll probably be mad at you and not yeah, me. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, actually, yeah, that's, that, 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 that's an interesting tactic. And I, was, I also think like just to keep in mind that you also kind of like just, you know, taking care of everybody else, right? So even mm -hmm. after you finish all the words, maybe while you're talking, someone trying to say something, but they did like kind of like a backup. Then after you finish, then you can just call out like maybe, hey, John, like you were going to say something, like now it's your yeah. time, right? So just kind of like, hey, come back in and then just give give your inputs. So yeah, I'll keep the, yeah. uh, the meeting flow. Mm -hmm. And it puts you in a position where it just sounds like all you did was just like call on people who like, uh, like, hey, I didn't hear uh, Claire. I think you were trying to say something earlier, or John, you're trying mm -hmm. to say something earlier. Like, people were like, wow. Like, imagine being in that position where someone just wrote over you and Claire saying, hey, Lola, I didn't hear you, or whomever's mm -hmm. listening, write your name. I don't know who it is. Steve, you know, there's a Steve yeah. listening right now. Steve, we didn't hear you a second ago. Like, how good would that feel? So, if you if you can give that feeling to other people, like, I think they'll enjoy working with you as well. So, yeah. all these are little, uh, you know, just try it, you know, little, little things and build up the confidence. I think the, a lot of times, um, it's really just competence. Like I, I think at the point in your life, you know, you traveled from China to America, you learned a new language, you uh, worked your way up from uh, into different roles, listening, all these different things that you've done. So when you say, "Hey, listen to me," you have all that baked in to you as saying, "Like I'm, 
I, I do deserve to be heard. I have all this in me. And so I think there's a difference between confidence and arrogance. And the big difference for me is which one has data and evidence supporting mm-hmm. it. Arrogance is usually like, uh, I've never flown a jet, but if I said I could fly a jet, you know, like, I think there's like a joke, a joke a year ago where like a bunch of people were like I could I could land a jet if I need to. It's like that that's pretty arrogant, like because you've never flown a jet, right? It's right. Like, it's like uh, if uh, my partner passed out, I could like steer the car gently to the curb. That's like probably more confident. Like it's not the exact situation you've been into, but you know how to drive a car. Like one has a little bit more data in terms of your experience. And I think like for people listening in, if you feel like you're not, um, just my two cents on this to continue it is the if you feel like I don't have the ability to do X, Y, or Z, look at your past. Like you're saying, like there's a lot of stuff that translates in. But um, if you have done a lot of stuff, why shouldn't someone listen to you when you're trying to speak in these environments? So, um, and then realize it's not confrontational. You're just you're just helping things along. I think yep. that helps too. Yeah. And then, um, what is it? Your do you ever see your objective to try, um, like building your own company or focusing into like one role in that way or is consulting really stimulating in the sense of like you could just you should try so many different things like that's something that you enjoy intrinsically of itself yeah i'll say that uh, well back when i was younger i just thinking of that okay do i want to like maybe just go ahead and start my own company for sure um but one thing i realized that is that being in a consulting world it's all about you know relationship and all this like a capital that you accumulated from the years of working with different people um so i realized that if you work in a big firm there's definitely a lot of advantage one is that you already have an established name you have established library all these assets that you can just tap into uh rather than if you just open up your own company you have to start from everything from scratch have to like finding out the lending out your lending your first project you have to hire people and have to like kind of like a vet if they're competent or not or maybe it's just become a one-person company and which you do a ceo you do staff you do all this like janitor work uh, just one person company that actually does bring a lot of challenge um so i kind of just like wait in and I say hey like if i just do want to just kind of continue deliver i want to continue to do the uh, consulting work there's really not major difference between like owning your own company or working for a big firm and eventually you can become a partner which means that you own a share of that firm so it's like kind of like a, a very similar angle um so i just decided hey like maybe i'll just continue work in the uh, kind of like a big uh, bigger company settings and that will just kind of give me a peace of mind that uh, i'm able to always land in um, different projects and you with like such a big background with such like a big companies as my background right yeah i thought i was recently reading that in trades uh, and the question here is like you know how how is being a millennial and upper management um mm-hmm. in, the, in, the, in consulting like how is how is maybe that's more problematic or like different things we have to do as a millennial to be successful but the, i was reading about in trades like uh, electrician plumber and stuff that when a millennial or younger person wants to get into it there's like old people that get kind of they're not the best teachers and they're like very mean to people <laughs> especially uh or maybe particularly if you're a woman they seem to be in many places very grumpy about a woman trying to learn a trade mm-hmm. um anyway, so do millennials uh comma and women have to face uh more problems trying to be in consulting and that you've noticed as a millennial and as late mm-hmm. um I would say like just from my own personal experience, um, I don't see much. So uh, again, it's just from my 
own personal experience, I haven't like experienced like any like like huge obstacles. I can say, oh, hey, this is a red flag. But if I just kind of like take a step back, if I just see the overall structure of our consulting, not just within my firm or even just like in general, any kind of consulting firm, like when you say big four, which is the uh, Deloitte, KPMG, PwC, and EY, and including other consulting company like McKinsey, BCG, so kind of like naming them like for, for, for days. But if you look at the uh, actual leadership structures, you can just kind of tell, right? Like it's like super wide, super male dominant, like a very top, like if you look at all this top management, you can tell, you can just tell like who are on the uh, top of the pyramid, um, but which I think that there, there, there is a historical reasons, right? So one is that consulting has been building up upon like kind of like relationship with your customers. Uh, it kind of building up on like who you know. Um, and I'm just thinking that perhaps because of their networks, because you have a different background, you have maybe like you grew up, I'm just giving an example, if someone like grew up from like a more like a privileged community, you can just hang out with certain group of people. And those group of people or friends become different management within different companies. Now you have the relationship with them, and especially it's very personal, it's close relationship. It's easier for you to sell the project to them, to sell your to your friends who's also in a manager or maybe like CEO, CIO position. So that helped you to become a partner very easy and fast. But in opposite to I'm just Give me an example, maybe me, um, maybe if I just come out from China and moving here, or maybe just someone who's just kind of like grew up in a maybe a, a less uh, privileged community. Maybe you only hang out with different, uh, I would say like different cliche, different um, group, perhaps that you just don't know that many C-suit friends compared to different community. So I feel like I just, I, I look at the structure and I was just thinking that, okay, it, it does have its reason why it's being structuring that way. And sometimes it may be just the nature of the business. And I know that different firm is trying their best to kind of like just break up this kind of like a, they call it glass ceiling, or like maybe we have our, um, uh, diversity advocacy groups that come in to try to bring in the uh, awareness of diversity. But I'm just thinking that maybe fundamentally because of the business, the way that we run the business, the way we sell the project, it's not going to be a very easy problem to solve. It's just mm. how you sell the project. You sell to the people you know, you sell to the people you have good relationship with. And those people should be in some kind of position of power who can buy your project. Again, so it's like just kind of like closed loop. Like, how do we break it? I I, I do not have like any precise answer mm -hmm. for it, but I can see the problem uh, of mm -hmm. just being this consulting world. Yeah, there's a I think John John Carlin. I think I know his last name is Car Carlin. He mm -hmm. uh he made a joke. Like people were saying that is there a conspiracy where like wealthy people are like colluding to do X Y and Z in a negative way? And he said, uh, people don't need to collude if they have shared interests inherently. Because they, you know, they they all went mm -hmm. to the same school. They went to the same university. Oh, yeah. they're, they're in the same golf clubs. Like they're not going to collude. They're just all rowing in the same direction, which makes sense. Which is what you're kind of saying here. Mm -hmm. The but uh, so then I'm kind of curious. The for you navigating up to where you are now, mm -hmm. uh, was there like a, a like a patron or like a men a mentor mm -hmm. that helped make it easier for you? And then um, or was it just like pure grit on your part and just being you know undeniable that like helped you right uh, go up to where you are now? 
Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely have a mentor. Also, like a, even within the, our firm, we have the structure that everybody will mm. have their mentor. So they kind of serve as your career counselor and maybe a little bit like your manager, but not necessarily because you don't always work in the same project as your mentor or slash counselor. Um, but they're the one that here um, that help you with navigating your career path. And uh, so that's one that's formality um, that and also like some people will just kind of like adopt their mentor. So maybe like in one project, you work with someone who who is like you just kind of like have really good relationship work very well close um so they kind of become your like sideline or like an adopted mentor that who can also help you and they are the champion so whenever we uh, especially in our uh, consulting world so when you're trying to get promoted so it's not just like you write on a piece of paper that hey claire did a great job you have to have a group of people who says i approve especially you mm -hmm. need to have be a um, certain level of people to say that yeah i approve yeah i heard claire so maybe in some cases you are doing a great job and someone else is also doing a great job it's literally like kind of just like you know like apple to apple comparison then it goes down to the path of like who will be your champion who will voice that you have achieved certain things so those are definitely um i'll say you can say it's like a strategy that you have to like um play with within the consulting firm um you have to like make sure that uh, you are working closely with the mentor i always just voice hey what did i do and this is my goal maybe i want to go for the promotion this year so can you help me to like plan the strategy how do i plan how do i go around to almost like a uh, almost like an election campaign you have to campaign for mm -hmm. yourself going around and your mentor will be your campaign manager <laughs> going around also kind of talk to different people to support your case um so for me personally i was super lucky uh, got a really great mentor, uh, and I'll say that uh, even for this year, I, I get to pick my own mentor. I'll say like one of the observation that I had was that uh, uh, I was lucky to be able to choose my own mentor, and I got to work with actually two or three female counselors, and it's just quite different experience so far. Um, quite different experience being, uh, I do not know if it's really like gender play a role here, but it just feels like they just appear to be a little bit more caring and more into the details, um, a little bit more personal. <laughs> I'll say just, just again, counselor is not necessarily your friends. They're, 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 your they're your counselor, they help you to like uh, direct your path. They don't have to be your friends. So they're doing like something like above and beyond to kind of just being in the friend's um, position that helped guide me through for, through all this like promotion case. So I was like, I, I did find a little bit difference between kind of like a, a little bit general differences here. Are you at the level where you're going to start having people to mentor as well? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So um, I think as soon as you become a manager, then you will be able to um, start to have the counselees and you can also have to help them to navigate their path as well general advice that you've heard that as you've navigated your career as you found out like is not good advice and then is there advice that you heard that's like that that's like what to do mm -hmm. yeah sure so uh this just reminds me of one of the advice that i got but it was a long time ago when i just about to graduate from college and trying to like look for a job so i could kind of just like uh socialize and network with different people um and uh, one of the particular advice that someone gave me is like, hey, Claire, you have to know people to be able to get a job. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. So now I have to go around and network. So only if I'm able to build up some kind of relationship with those recruiters, maybe like hiring managers, then I will be able to like land on a good job. Is that it? Um, and this person said, yeah, you have to. So, but guess what? I, I did not have to like really just 
get to like personally know someone. I, have to, I don't have to like co-call someone. I did go through the runs of the uh, career fair. Um, but the way that I got my first job is really just to uh, join uh, our student organization back in my college as some of my resume. They just put our resume into a CD and distribute it to the uh, different companies. They saw my resume, call me, give me an interview. So I thought I was like, oh, why is this person telling me that? And then I realized that that's how he got his job. That's like mm -hmm. his whole career life. That's the only way that he got his job is by knowing someone and someone to give him a job. So that's why he telling me that, hey, the only, only way to get a job is by doing that. So I would just try to be cautious. I kind of lesson learned too for me is that I would never just tell someone that the only way you get a job is to put your resume in a CD and then give it to the uh, different company. And they will probably ask me, what is CD, Claire? <laughs> so um, that's one. So definitely do not just, like what you said, like don't just based on your own kind of anecdote, based on your own personal experience, just give people like some kind of very affirmative suggestions. Um, now the particularly very good suggestion I got was from um, another men mentor or uh, I'll say like a kind of like my manager from previous company. Um, I'll say like it's it's not only just like a one advice, it's actually consistent feedback. So I like the way that he works with me. So whenever that a simple example, maybe like I'm writing a notes and I'm writing an email, sometimes I CC him and immediately if he sees something, some minor uh, minor corrections, he will immediately tell me, hey, Claire, do this or Claire, don't do this. Or maybe he will even just show me, hey, look at how I construct the solution. Um, so it's like not like just one advice, but it's like continually and immediate mm -hmm. feedback. So I found it like really helpful. So it's not like someone just like thinking that I'm not doing a good job, but they just like kind of like keep it, keep it down, either they keep it down or keep it vague, mm -hmm. or maybe just by the, I don't know, like end of a cycle, because we have like a different cycle and you give different feedback. You wait until the end of the cycle and say, hey, Claire, remember that uh, two, three months ago, you sent an email and you should have right this way. So rather than that he just like tell you immediately and tell you what to do so i found that super useful and i try to do that to the uh the staff or the my team member as well if i have any suggestions i just give to them immediately um mm -hmm. there's no hard feelings it's all professional and i'm trying to help them to kind of like just uh correct it and once they learn it uh, and then i will even just give them kind of like affirmative like hey remember yesterday i tell you to correct this flow and you actually corrected and you did a great job so it's consistently like a feedback loop yeah I think being effective in a social uh, context, like we're talking about, like feedback, et cetera, um, mm -hmm. it's not all, it's not just how you, how you take it, but then how do you like let them know you took it well and then mm -hmm. so they can see the effects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. And I, I actually, this reminds me that uh, um, the way that I, now nowadays i'd like to show my appreciation so sometimes it's not necessarily like a feedback sometimes just like a positive thank mm. you right to the people and uh, again so for example um the mentor i talk about who consistently give me the feedback on time and immediately so the soon after that i got promoted to the senior manager i just messaged him so basically we left the same company for like i'll say like um four or five years now but we're still kind of keeping contact by just sending him a message. Hey, like, I appreciate what you did and what you helped me through my early career. And I believe that really helped me to get to the point that I am at today. And or maybe, again, just the other example, maybe someone helped me with scheduling a meeting or doing something. So like, it's always just showing the appreciation. It's just kind of like, again, the work is like already stressful enough. Just let people know that they're appreciated. Mm -hmm. I know like uh, one thing I like to do is when I post my links to the show, mm -hmm. I will use, if there was like an EA at all involved, I'll thank the EA. Mm -hmm. Even like sometimes even in the show, I'll say, hey, thanks uh, this EA for helping. 
And like, mm-hmm. because people always like just treat EAs or support staff as like, you know, like chairs. So they're not chairs, <laughs> they have hearts. Yeah. You, know, you know, a little thank you doesn't, you know, hurt. And yeah. they did help yeah, to some yeah. capacity. Like, who cares? Just say thank you. Cost you nothing. It's like the ink is free. It's just digital. Yeah, 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 for sure. And mm-hmm. yeah, so this reminds me that uh, how, um, I guess it's like the article came out uh, several years ago. So it's like, well, while the, uh, let's say like a firm is giving out the same same money, right? Like if, if the salary is the same, so what make this company stand out as far as the treating the employee goes? It's one firm is showing the appreciation and another firm is maybe not necessarily showing anything. So if you're getting paid the same, but you work for this firm that's kind of keep give you like an affirmative like appreciation. You feel your work has been recognized. You will probably want to like stay in that form compared to different company. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, there's a research going off of what you said. There's a there's research that was done that if you don't say thank you to someone, they're mm-hmm. like forty to sixty percent less likely to help something out someone else. <laughs> so if, if you if you just say thank you, I can you're, see you're that. Yeah. it forward. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then um, I know you wanted to uh, share some of your tips for how do you go from like zero to 60, uh, essentially going from the point of not knowing an industry or not knowing a business to mm-hmm. learning enough to being competent to help them out. Um, learning with Lowell, I mean, this is a great uh, topic for us. What are some of those strategies you use um, to learn uh, quickly, effectively, and deeply so you can do like mobilize your vast repertoire of knowledge to help people? Yeah. Um, so first thing I'll do, uh, also like, so again, like, cause we keep working in a very like a fast paced, uh, environment. So leverage what customer provide you. They will provide you the material. They will not just let you come in bland. So they will give you the documents and material right up. Uh, and the secondly is that, um, um, I like to study more, I'll say more systematically, more logically. I don't like to just learn things like A and B and like kind of like a fragmented. So normally I will take course actually. Um, and I use, I don't know if this is like a more like an advertisement, but I will say just like online lesson okay so you just go to the online lesson there are a lot of like website like that they will teach you again example supply chain 101 sap 101 i'd love to learn those things systematically kind of just like see okay maybe some things i already know i can maybe just overlook it but there are like certain things that i might overlooked so now i can build up this kind of like a complete foundation of library in my head rather than just kind of know one thing uh maybe know a and b but i don't necessarily know the connection between the a and b so that's something that I like to do on my outside, like a part time, and even just buy the book. Um, those are like a serious book. So like XX for dummies. So I bought like supply chain for dummies <laughs> a long time ago. SAP for dummies, maybe. So I think reading the book, uh, learning fundament, like kind of like systematically, really helps. Uh, now the last thing I like to do is to see that okay, so I'm learning, I'm getting all this information. Um, kind of like input and bring into my uh, little brain here, can I actually like produce the output? Meaning can't explain them. Not only I can explain them, I can also explain them in such a simple, uh, easy way in plain English that anybody will be able to understand me. So if I cannot explain it, that probably means that I don't understand it. So I just keep in this kind of like philosophy is as that if I can explain it, then okay, so I might, I might be able to like understand this thing. And if I don't, I would actually just like ask, right? Like, so especially during the, um, not like a necessarily like client call, maybe like just like within the colleagues. And then if they're talking talking about something, I said, okay, maybe some some of them I understand, but if they are seeing something that I don't understand, I just kind of just ask, what do you mean, right? So again, I, I'm at this point, I'm not afraid to be look like, like asking some stupid question. Cause I know it's not necessarily stupid. It's just maybe just like, I did not know. And I'm not afraid to ask those. There's a lot of times people read a chapter or read a section 
And if you ask them, like, what'd you get from that? They're like, well, I don't, I don't know. Like, they don't mm-hmm. like, and I think to some extent, your idea of how can I use this? How can I lead with that? That helps mm-hmm. too. But uh, do you have strategies to help retain that information so mm-hmm. you can use it later? Yeah, yeah, I do. And especially, I think we're, we're sharing very similar methods, in fact. So mm. I do take notes, especially for the ones that's a little bit more technical. I definitely have to take notes. And sometimes I would just even, even just open up my Word document and just kind of literally just write down each chapter. What is the key information that it, it, it have? I'm just kind of building up my own little handy book out of mm. that book. So next time, I may not necessarily just reread this book because it's 800 pages, but I have my own little Word document, mm. a little playbook, and I can just literally search for the key information that I need. So I definitely yeah. uh, have my notes, but I don't, I don't do that for all the books. <laughs> I'll mm-hmm. say like, but only for like very technical books. Mm-hmm. And then uh, are there books that you would recommend or, you know, maybe books that you've read in the last year that you, you've enjoyed in particular? Because I'm always I'm always looking for mm-hmm. books to read. Yeah, uh, I'll say like for the nonfiction, definitely uh, Dummy for a Supply Chain. It's a great book. Um, mm-hmm. I actually have it on my uh, bookshelf. But uh, yeah, I think it's called Dummy for a Supply Chain and uh, version 3.0. Yes, I actually have it. So it's called Supply Chain Management for Dummies. Um, and really, I, I, I think like when, when you hear this book, it's like for dummies, ha, silly. But in fact, it's actually like it's enjoyable to read. It's not boring at all. But then you are learning a lot of information that mm-hmm. you could learn from those books. Because uh, I also bought like some different supply chain management book from um, it's called a um, also, like foundation book for CSCP, I also have them on my shelf. So I'm just turning around. So those, I read those book too, and I read the uh, supply chain management for dummies. I just realized that they are sharing a lot of same information, but it's just the way that they wrote it in that uh, supply chain management for dummies is just so easy to read, so mm-hmm. easy to remember. So I definitely hi- highly recommend that. Yeah, the the two uh, for dummy books that I've read, it's mm-hmm. like uh, they're almost like they're almost uh, like a little whimsical. Like they're uh-huh. a little like they're having fun with it. It's not just like, uh, yeah, I know what you mean. Like sometimes you, it's almost like a textbook where they're so dry. Not mm-hmm. like a textbook. I read textbooks for fun, but like <laughs> the, the for the dummy ones, they are like a little whimsical. Like they're it is like a very pleasurable read. Yeah. Is there is there anything you're looking to learn? Is there like a topic you're looking to dig into for you know I don't know, next couple months or whatever? But um, yeah, is there anything you're looking to to learn? Maybe someone listening could be like, oh, I know that they can message us and and you know educate us. But uh, yeah, what are, what are you working on right now or looking to learn in the foreseeable future. Yeah, so uh, I am currently just learning this uh, low-code, no-code build. Uh, it's a, I think it's become a very trendy thing um, right now, within, especially within the, uh, I'll say, I want to say like SAP community or even just within the uh, different app building community. Um, so the concept is that you don't necessarily have to know like C-sharp or JavaScript to be, able to, to be able to build up a program or to build an app. So I'm learning to just kind of like building up my own uh, little phone app for the uh, order to cache uh especially for the uh, kind of like um, building upon the, uh, uh, I would say like SAP database and building a phone app on top of it. Because SAP does help you, they do have their own little GUI to help you to like place sales order, to do all the things, but they have a lot of fields and they have a lot, they're asking for a lot of information. But then especially right now, you're thinking about like when we have our ordering or like buying experience on Amazon, everything's just with one click, it's super easy. So I'm just thinking that, okay, maybe if I could just build an app um, that's building upon the uh, SAP and they do have their own little, um, they bought a, another company that allow you to build your own app with no code, low code technology. So that's something that I'm learning. Um, I found it 
interesting because it's like you are one way is you are kind of just dragging and drop and doing all this UI. That seems easy. But you have to like also build up the, all this logic behind the app. And now that's where the uh, challenge coming from or where, where the learning curves come from. So that's something I'm kind of like working on right now on my part time. Yeah, I, I uh, yesterday I spoke to a person who runs a like a programming agency. They have AI mm -hmm. experts, uh, C sharp, all of them. Mm -hmm. And when they do their first MVP, they use something. I pulled it up just to double check. I wouldn't give you the wrong thing. It's called Bubble.io, and you can build the MVP, and it'll be a functional MVP that someone could like. You could hand to someone and have them like go through the sequence that you're trying to get. That's them to the do, thing like, that I'm using it. actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I thought right, that's funny. That's yeah. That's actually the thing that I'm using right now. Uh, just kind of like build up whatever that I'm thinking in my brain. I use that to visualize. Is there like a place on the internet where you live predominantly where if someone's like, hey, I really like this Claire lady. Mm -hmm. uh, if she was writing stuff or like you put putting out content, they can go like uh, like stay up to date with anything in your thoughts or anything like that. Uh, yeah, I'll say like everybody's uh, again. I'm uh, I'm on the LinkedIn a lot. It's a, a professional social network, uh, if you will. So if anyone interested to connect, you can add me. Um, you can just search for Claire Long at UI on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And that'll be in the show notes as well for anyone who's looking into it. But uh, Claire, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the show today, uh, sharing your journeys, what it's like to be a millennial in your life. Um, uh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Yeah, and it was my pleasure to be here just speaking with you, Lowell.